Like, can you have profound appreciation without experiencing profound adversity? I just don't know that you can. See, and you, you literally like we were on the exact same thought because I, I totally, you know, was it was going to tell you the same, same thing just now that I don't I really don't Sorry. think what well, everything that I ever look back on as as something that I'm really uh, I don't know about proud of because it's hard for me to be proud because um, I don't feel like achievements. I have a weird view on it on achievement, but um, things that I'm actually glad that I went through. Uh-huh. Um, all of those involve some kind of wear and tear on my ass. Welcome to today's episode of Uncaged. I got to sit down with retired Navy SEAL sniper John Beck. He is a phenomenal husband, father, my big brother who I have looked up to and admired for my entire life. Somebody who is a walking, living, breathing example of using adversity to propel oneself towards great success. He is a no excuses kind of guy. He is always striving to look for ways to achieve and accomplish new things, not to flex on other people, but just to continue his own personal growth and personal enlightenment. We have a wonderful conversation every single time we sit down. I learn something new about him every time I sit down. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun, as we did, in hearing from him and his perspective. So without further ado, let's go uncage winning mindset with Navy SEAL John Beck. Uh, I, I figure I'm trying to take this as like the universe, like thinking like there was something else that we should have chatted about, like, yes, <laughs> like rather than being like, God damn it. Right. No, that's, that's fine. I mean, whatever. It's an excuse to, to chat some more. I know. I love it. We always talk about good stuff. Um, so, um, how about, um, did you read about Elliot? I'm going to totally screw up his name, but did you read about Elliot Kipchoge? How about that sub two hour marathon? Oh my God. Yeah. I actually ran across that yesterday. I was, cause my buddy, um, my buddy is in a running a lot now, which is kind of funny. We're flip-flopped. Um, I was the first half of my life, and now he's really taken um, the last set, six, seven years. He's really in a running now from out of nowhere, kind of. Yeah. So I was I texted him about that. It's just – that's unbelievable. Like, I mean, I wouldn't even – it was, like, not in my life. When it was, like, 206, 207, you're like, there's no way you're going to shave off minutes like that. Right. And to go out and do that, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what's – What's it, what's achievable now? I mean, who yeah, knows? Where does it go from here? Because there has to come a point with running that distance. There has to come a point when we um, are, you know, there has to, I mean, cause you can't, it's not like you can run a marathon in five minutes. Right. So like there has to come a point when we really do hit the yeah. point of the barrier of what humans are capable of achieving. Um, I mean, I totally generally agree. Like, you know, it's always impossible until it's done. And like, we rarely have tapped into like what our personal best is in most things that we do. But um, yeah, where, where do you go from here? 
when you have now a sub two hour marathon. I just can't even wrap my brain around that. Well, it's like Usain Bolt when he when he broke uh, what nine 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 point six in the in the hundred, and I uh-huh. I, I think he skipped. Nobody had even been in the nine. 9.6s and then he went to like 958 or something like he skipped he skipped the whole you know six tenths or whatever you know he, he just basically destroyed it to a point where you know like there's no way that, that humans will run faster like well i mean it almost it it, it it almost explains why it will be broken you know what i mean like when something's so so unobtain, unobtainable and then you're like well what's achievable now i mean who knows yeah you know we're just getting getting better and faster i mean look at look at vehicles uh-huh i mean vehicles in the same way like a four second zero to 60 car like 15 20 years ago was it was supercar fast mm-hmm. now you have teslas that are that are like 2.3 2.4 like sedans and you're like yeah. how, how you know i mean obviously I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's crazy to see how the advancements that humans and machines are making. Uh huh. Isn't the Roadster like a one point something zero to six? One point nine. Yeah. Well, and it's going to run in the in the high eights in the quarter, which like anything in the tens is like crazy. Yeah. And the Roadster is skipping skipping the nines completely and getting down into the high eights. Yeah. And then it's like, holy cow, you know, and then they're talking about adding like little rocket thrusters on it. Yeah. You know, which change the dynamics of, I mean, how, how fast can you go into a corner when the car will not actually slide? Yeah. Then you start running up against that, the, probably the, the limits of the human body. You know what I mean? Like how many G's can you take? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously jets, you know, can, you can take eight or nine or 10 or whatever. So I don't think cars will, will ever achieve that on the track, but geez, I mean, still. Yeah. That's you a lot. I mean, like a formula one driver, the G's that they faced in a race, like it's that, that's, that's a level that requires a level of physical fitness that right. everyday drivers just yeah. are not equipped yeah. to deal with. I think, think people think that because it's, um, it's not dynamic movement that driving isn't, athletic but like when you're talking about pulling g's yeah. <laughs> like you can't you can't be not fit and be right. and possibly drive a car that's that level of um oh, I'm, I'm impressed by you like nascar even i mean you figure they're not wearing all that gear you know mm-hmm. and you're and you're having to the level of mental exhaustion when you have to be so walking just on the edge yeah of of the car basically you know crashing yeah you have to be right on that edge like that and to, to mentally be able to maintain that i mean i can't fathom i mean i'm 45 years old i can't fathom having to do that for extended durations of time you understand why people fade out after they hit about 40 when you're like okay you're too old for so many things you know yeah well i i mean just for me when i'm racing go-karts like i i had a day where i um i finished the day I had a subluxed rib. I had, I couldn't lift my arms. My hands were shaking for yeah. 24 hours after that. I was, I felt like I had run a marathon. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. and I was sore from just trying to keep control. So it's. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, I mean, the running, you did some pretty crazy running, like right after Hell Week, didn't you? Yeah, um, 
Well, I don't know about crazy, but I went out. I was fortunate when I when I came through Hell Week within the, within twelve hours. I, I went and did a run down the beach, so I, I was able to. It's crazy when when I think I was eighteen to even fathom that now. You know. Yeah. Um, is. Yeah, it's I, I do miss the recovery for sure of <laughs> being eighteen. Years right, old. right, yeah. Well, I mean, you say, I love how you also say like run down the beach, which I think a lot of people will like envision, like just like a nice leisurely jog with the ocean breeze. But you, didn't you run to the Mexican border? Yeah, I did that. Um, I did that on the weekends a handful of times. Um, to be fair, my, 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 my post hell week run the next morning wasn't, it wasn't, it was very, very slow. It was very, I literally was like, I was gauging. Yeah, it was. It was. I was. I was gauging my systems. I was taking a a check of my body systems, basically, and and seeing if I could even do it. To me, it was like, okay, I can. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's it's. um, Was that also? Did were you doing that because everyone else was resting and you were continuing sort of your, you know, your um, personal walk push to push to see how far you can take your body and mind beyond what's normal. For sure. I mean, I, I, um, there is that aspect of like, I still have more to give, like how far does this rabbit hole, how deep does this rabbit hole go? You know what I mean? Like what, what's, what's achievable and to, to, to know, you know, I could go out and, and still, I still had something left in the tank, you know, a mere, what, 10 or 12 hours after getting done with five and a half days. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, kind of nice. I mean, there were guys that were varying degrees of being destroyed for multiple days afterwards, you know, can barely walk. And it was, it's, yeah. it was kind of, kind of reassuring to know, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that you're recovered and, and still, still, still in the fight, you know? Uh-huh. What did, what did your, the other guys in your buds class think about that? <laughs> well, I didn't say anything about it. Okay. Yeah, they didn't know. I just got up on my own and, and yeah. went out and um, which in, in retrospect is kind of strange because you're supposed to be under observation for 24 hours. You can't really leave. So I, I don't know how I talked my way out of it or something. I think I might have just snuck away. Okay. Came back. But under I mean, observation but, because you've been through a week of how many hours of sleep and your body won't even adjust to move if you're cutting off your circulation. Is that what is going on or what's, um, the reason that they, that, that we have the students, um, and why we, why we make sure that they're, they're under observation for 24 hours, at least that they're accounted for and are, and are very limited as far as their ability to leave is because, um, yeah, everybody's different, but when you go that long, the one common denominator for everybody is when you when you go five and a half days, when you go when you go days and days without sleep, um, you don't necessarily just recover immediately with you know with that first night, uh, potentially. And uh, people, you know, they, they what they want to make sure is when somebody feels like that they're good and they don't get behind the wheel of the car or something, and and then they end up um, wadding up in, in a wreck or something, and and. Uh, having having issues you know mentally where you're just i mean you're still you're still kind of getting pieced back together again you know that it takes a good solid day yeah 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 so i mean so hell week is five days of like just what what i mean i think you know there's been a lot of 
you know, SEALs who've told stories about it or there have been movies or whatever that, you know, are maybe loosely based on reality. But, like, what's what happens? What do you go through? Um, so, basically, the way it works, every, obviously, every Hell Week is the same. And it's also different. You know, just various, you know, every everyone is... Every Hell Week is, is, a, is a little bit different from this aspect that, you know, the different class sizes and the different time of year. But as far as the basic foundation framework, like they're all pretty much the same. And they've done a really good job over the decades to really refine, like, how long it should be and what kind of, uh, what kind of activities that, 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 are, that are performed and, and when, actually, too, is a big part of it during the, the five and a half days. Um, hold that thought one second. Yeah. Got this dog that wants to come in the room. Uh-huh. Come on. Anyway, sorry about that. So, um, yeah, so, so, so it's, it, it starts out, it starts out like on, usually on a Sunday afternoon and then, and then, and then it goes till the following Friday sometime in the, in the following, you know, Friday afternoon. Um, okay. So, um, the best way that I can kind of equate it to, to people would, you know, I mean, that, that, I could tell you that, that different evolutions, but the easiest way to grasp it is, is like if you were to go and I've never actually done a full Ironman triathlon, like, so I don't know, you know, the 26.2 and I think it's a 2.2 swim and, and a 110 mile bike ride or something like that. hundred, hundred something. Yeah. It's so it's a, yeah, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a 20 mile run. Okay. Yeah. So the best that I can, I can, I guess, translate it to people is, it, is if you were to do that and then finish it up and just be completely beat up and then have the instructor say, okay, I got, you know, get some water, shake it out a little bit, you know, like 10, 15 minutes, like we're going to get ready to go and then we're going to do another one of those. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. Well, we just finished, you know, because, because your whole life, you know, even leading up to that, like, like the evolutions, you'd have one or two physical evolutions in the morning and one or two in the afternoon. Granted, they're really, really difficult, you know, with the lunch in between and, and regular, regular SEAL school training is hard, but then you get into hell week and what's bizarre about hell week, why it's so surreal is you just go and you go and you go and you just keep going and never in your life do you ever um, just continue without really stopping. I mean, you stop and take little, little breaks and then you'll, you'll stop and eat, but you don't just say, okay, now I'm done for the day. Like we're, we're on this cycle the circadian rhythm of the cycle, 24 hour cycle. And then you completely throw that out the window and you're like, okay, we're just going to do stuff. And you're like, well, for how long? You're like, I don't know. We're just going to do stuff. And so you, so you do these physical evolutions and then, then when you realize, okay, now we're going to do like a, like a two mile ocean swim and then you're like, okay. And then we're going to do a four mile run. Okay. For time. And then, and then we're going to do log PT for an hour and a half, two hours. And like, okay. And then we're going to do a surf passage with our, with our um, boats for two races for a couple hours and okay. And then, and then you, and then you do like rock portage over the, over the rocks in front of the hotel Dell for a couple hours. And then you're like, okay. And then, and then, and then you, you, every time you go to chow, the chow hall is like a mile, a mile run each way on the other side of the bay. So you, so you have a mile there and a mile back. So that's two miles. That's a two mile run. So, so every time you think you're going to go eat, eat a meal, you're, you're looking at a two mile commitment. Yeah. So it's on your head. And the instructors, yeah, you're running with your boats everywhere. Your your boats are always on your head. You never without your boats. And the instructors are literally speed walking, and so you're basically having to jog, which is you know, um, it's it's you're running. The instructors are 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 all but running, and and 
it's pretty miserable. And, you, and what you do is you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going, and then and then you enter enter into bizarro world because you do actually have a disconnect with time. Because if you spend, you know, the night comes and then the sun comes up and then and then you continue and you're still going, and then the night comes and then you get get you know the the, the day comes again and. You do that long enough, and you do actually. They do a really good job because you don't have a watch. Like they take all, they take all, they take all abilities to measure time away from you and reference. And you have no, you have no interaction with the outside world for five and a half days. You're completely isolated away from it yeah. in a total controlled environment. So you really do feel like five and a half days isn't. It, it feels sometimes like it's like okay, now this is forever. And mentally, you're like you know, you're you're in this endless you know because your mind is just is in is in la la land basically you know and it's um yeah it's bizarre you, you realize how far you're going and you're like man how, how, how am i still going how am i still going like you're right exactly and, and you have to show that to somebody and the only way to show that to them is like look this isn't going to be this is going to be pleasant but this is a necessary evil yeah and here you go um and then and then you and then you just do it you know it's it's crazy I mean, do you have to like kind of negotiate with yourself a little bit? Like, well, it's going to end soon. I just have to keep going or like, yeah, I mean, it not games, like when you get to that level of fatigue, like are there like little games you have to play with yourself? Like, you know, it's the, it's the cliche of the little bites of the, of the elephant, uh-huh. you know, and you do like you, 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 there's a lot of negotiating, like, okay, just get through this one next evolution or whatever it is. Okay. That wasn't so bad. And then, and then you do enough of those. And that truly is like, I, like you, if you, you have to break seal school down into, you know, it's six months and then you, and then you get, you get trained to break it down into smaller pieces, of course. Um, you know, one day, one day bites. Yeah. I always, I always kind of had this philosophy, like when I'm working out and what I kind of try to impress upon younger folks is just this, this, this mindset of just give me one. Yeah. And it's like, well, just give you, give me one of what? And it's like, well, give me one of whatever it is. Can you do one more rep? Well, of course I could do one more rep. I'm like, okay, cool. Then just do one, yeah. you know, and then when you get to that, or just give me, give me, you know, one more workout or whatever it is that, that you use in your life. Yeah. Look, you, can you make it through this next day? Well, of course I can make it through this next day. Okay. Well then don't worry about anything else. Just focus on this one day. Yeah. And, right. and, and so like when I work out, I kind of think that I, I, I do that with myself where, you know, one more rep. I, well, I can do one more rep for sure. Yeah. You think about how many more reps ahead of you, then you start to not be able to do that one because it's just, it's just overwhelming. You know what I mean? That's, and that's when people I think bail out on things. Yeah. So I don't know if that, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, and then what, and I think what you, what happens is when you go through a big crucible like that, you, you get conditioned to where, you know, once you get into platoon, cause platoon life, when you're in a seal, a seal platoon, when you get to your SEAL team, like there's a, the schoolhouse environment is very, very metered. It's very measured and you have to, you have to, um, you have to learn in a, in a controlled environment. That's where you get your first taste to where you get into a platoon. And then, then there's no, there's no, um, talk about open-ended. Yeah. You'll be in the field for five or six days and, and they, there's a term called being fragged in the field, which means that they, they frag you in the field, meaning they extend you. So yeah. you mentally are like, okay, well, this op will be finished in four or five days. And then they're like, no, well, actually we got extended for like another four days. And, and it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Hopefully I was so ready to be done because I feel like I don't have much more in the tank. And then it's like, well, you just, 
you got to find that extra gear and, and the, right. they're there, but they're just very unused, you know, and then so every once in a while you have to, you have to find them and then, and then you just do, you know? And that's a, like mental, the mental stuff. I mean, I remember you telling me about how you would, when you became an instructor, you, um, rather than putting on actual music for like the, during the time with the, in the guys in the pool, they had to just like go back up and down that you like looped sound for one from one of the tool songs of baby crying. Right. 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 I, I, I made these, I made these tapes. Uh, I'm dating myself again now, cassette tapes. Um, <laughs> and, and they were, they were sounds on a loop. There was actually a few different, um, it, you know, it was, it was, it would be about a 45 minute run for each of the, of the sides of the tape until we flipped them over, you know, the, then yeah. the tape was done. Then we, we, we turned over the tape and then played the other side, which, yeah, there was, there was the, um, there was one of a man sobbing and then, and then there was the baby, uh, that was crying over and over. And then, um, just the same loop. Like I had the, um, uh, I forget it's the, uh, the, the Lone Ranger, that first intro that comes booming in. Oh, Okay. Right. Um, and that was like the first 15 seconds and then it would yeah. stop and, and, you know, right. And then I would just play that over and over and they just, and I would, the Lone Ranger, like going through your head over and over, just super loud, Yeah. you know, and, and talking with the students afterwards, it's kind of interesting because, you know, once they make it through that, they have no problem sharing what worked and what didn't work because for the people that go, of course, behind them, yeah, they don't want their buddies to go behind them to lose out on any of the full benefit. Right. Right, right, right. So they, so they would, they would share it, and 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 you'd see it on the critiques because there's critiques after Hell Week and all the evol- evolutions, um, you know, uh, through the phase, phase, phase critiques at the end of each phase, the students write critiques, and they and they um, and they would remark about that. So I knew that it was actually working. They would, they would say, you know, Instructor Beck's um, his soundtracks were pretty miserable. So yeah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> so, cool. So in, your, in your in your point of reference, the the um what's working means basically like how miserable it is right right so the, <laughs> the whole goal the, the, the singular goal for an instructor in hell week is purely to just to get people to quit like that's yeah. all you care about it's, yeah. it's 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 just how many quitters can we get and then yeah. um whatever we can do within you know short of of you know physically harming well i, I guess they get physically harmed Short of doing things that are across the line, which that line is a lot further than in that in that environment than than a regular, you know, typical environment. Sure. Um, so within a big massive spectrum of operating area, um, yeah. to to put somebody into discomfort and pain. Yeah. Uh, the, the ultimate goal is being to weed people out because you know ultimately, like I said, when you get into a platoon and then you go overseas it's an op- it's open ended and and just let your let your mind wander of how bad things can be i mean we've got go watch lone survivor you know what i mean like it's you know ultimately like the final the final you know the, the final stopping point for pushing yourself it would be with death literally it's death and you know you have to prepare to run all the way up to that point and so, yeah I need to charge this. Okay, that's fine. Get the it's in my room. Okay. Um, when you were going through buds, what was the thing that you gave that that you said was the most miserable when you did your like critique? Oh, I don't remember what that was, but I but I've been asked before like what was what was um 
like what was the what was the hardest thing i guess like like what was the most difficult and i it's 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 i guess to answer that um there's nothing one one thing specific because there were so many things that were really really um bad yeah but some of the things i guess that come to mind are like um i mean each phase had had something that was really really miserable of course you know obviously how weak you know, as a whole was pretty bad. Individual, you know, evolutions. Um, log PT was pretty tough. Um, remember once in second phase, second phase is the diving phase. So it's, it's actually one of the shorter phases. First yeah. phase is nine weeks. And then diving is, uh, we learned it all about diving is seven weeks. And then, and then the final phase, uh, third phase is your land warfare. And that's, that's nine weeks. Yeah. And in diving, um, I remember one night, uh, or after, uh, or one afternoon, there was we were doing two dives a day, which for logistically to do two full dives with all the dive dive checks and everything, you're, um, and logistically to move, you know, thirty people across, you know, to a, to an area of students and all all of the all of the the prep and everything. Two dives in a day is a long day. I mean, you're talking about getting up at four and getting to bed maybe by like eleven at night. You know, yeah. it's, it's, they're really long days. And I remember on this one day that the tide had gone out and, and I was climbing down, um, had all my gear in my hands, um, you know, my, my dragger, my rebreather on and, and, and you got your buddy line and, you, and your, your buoy line and your, your fins are on your wrist and you've got, you've got your attack board, your compass board, and you got all these things in your hands and I'm climbing down this ladder to get into the boat from the pier and the tide had gone out, so I'm climbing down. It's pretty far down, you know, probably like a 10, 12-foot climb down this ladder, and I slipped, or my, my one of my fins slipped off my hands, and it fell in the water. I mean, it's gone. This is it, you know what I mean? And I remember looking around, and Instructor Blackwell saw me, and I'm like, oh, Christ, here we go. And there was this gal that was like a boat driver at the time, and I think he was choosing, and he was chatting with her, and I don't know if it was to impress her or what, but he's just like, I've got. He tells me he's like, I've got duty tonight, Beck, and he's like, that's a that's a thousand eight counts, which an eight count bodybuilder is kind of like a burpee, but there's actually a couple more movements. It's uh-huh. eight. It's an eight count movement. You from the standing position, and and then you squat down and do a push up, and then basically come back up, and then that's one. Yeah. And he had duty that night. And so when we wrapped up at like 11, um, I just got a canteen and I had my, my dive booties and I was just regular in my shorts. And he just had his newspaper and sat there. And the class left. And as I was wrapping up after a thousand, um, they were coming back from, you know, it was like four in the morning. And then the day just started. So I just skipped that night. And you know, I mean, it was just like, God, <laughs> I just lost the whole night. And then you do the whole, you start the whole day, the very next day over wow. again. So, I mean, yeah. that's just, that, not just one, one, sure. I mean, there, there, there's, there's, you know, bear crawling with twin 80 tanks on your back, you know, a couple hundred yards. I mean, that's, that's miserable, miserable. I mean, that's, that's a hundred pounds. Yeah. Two, two, um, scuba cylinders on your back crawling, crawling around you know, over a sandy berm, like, like, it's just super painful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on your, on your joints, on everything. And, um, yeah. there's, that's just, I mean, we could have a total conversation about um, things that are beyond the pale, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's not like you have your, okay. I made it through that night and that was my one, you know what I mean? My, oh, that was the one thing that sucked. 
Right, right. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's that's cool. something that just, just a typical day kind of, you know, that comes to mind, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, like, I mean, I guess that's, that, yeah. Oh, as I say, like, to, um, in getting into Platoon, I mean, like, something that jumps out in my mind, I mean, I'm a brand new guy, and there was this guy, it was, like, wintertime, and it was raining, it was, like, really storming, it was cold, and yeah. I had this old um, 79-year-old man had gotten disconnected, I think he had dementia or something, and he got lost in the woods, and, and this was literally on a Friday, and I remember I just got my trident that morning, and, I, and for some reason, I got, like, a virus or something. Like, I, I had, like, a 103, 104 fever mm-hmm. and got to go home. You know, the day it ended, it just gutted it out. And then and then um, it's just a Friday evening. Okay, I've got the weekend. I can I can just heal up and, and like, thank God this week is over. You know, one of those just yeah. total, total gut punch weeks. And then our platoon got called up because they wanted us to go out and look for this guy. He got yeah. separated from his group, you know, and – you know, I was a new guy, so I had to carry the radio, you know, um, and, and I'm not going to say anything, you know, yeah. and I literally, I look back on that and I, and I just felt beyond miserable, just having to push through thick manzanita, you know, in, in the rain all night long. You find him? No, no, we didn't. We never found him. He ended up, he, uh, they found him a few weeks later. He had, he had passed away, you know, well, cause it was middle winter and he, he, it was just exposure, but yeah. You no, know, just that whole night thinking like I don't know how much longer I can go, and then you just end up doing it. And you're like, good lord, you know, with the 103, 104, you know, and not not, not telling the platoon. I'm not going to you know sit bitch like, hey guys, you know, and I mean, I'm going to have to take a knee and sit, you know, sit out on this one. I mean, you're brand new, and like you don't want to, you don't want to. That's a bad look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Ass. I mean, literally, like we're talk about wanting wanting that that airliner to come crashing down out of the sky on top of me like I would have I would have if I could have you know without having to quit you know what I mean I, I, I probably would have picked that one that night that option what was it the airline the, the airplane crashing or um, the other what was the other thing that you sometimes hoped for oh just just like a, a like a like a like a bus or something maybe like uh, across yeah. the street yeah. so you know, not paying attention yeah that'd be that would be fine that would have been welcome. <laughs> it's pretty miserable when you feel like that. Yeah, when you're when you're praying for death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at least I didn't have to quit. Yeah, right. It was, it was taken from me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna quit. I'm so far removed from that yeah. now. It's, it is funny to be <laughs> that far removed from that kind of singular purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, so attrition rate was nine below at ninety plus ninety percent. Yeah, yeah. 90%. I think my class, uh, we started with 130, 131, and then we had 16 originals. Uh, day one was 131, and then we had 16 um, left of the originals wow. on, the, on the graduation day, So, which is typical, typical number. What, I mean, what do you attribute that level of mental toughness to for you? Like, where do you feel like you got that? I mean, do you feel like it just was like innate in you? Do you feel like there were life circumstances that contributed to it? Do you feel like, like, how do you, how do you become one of the 16? Did you, did you know, did you have like a feeling of certainty that you would be one of the 16? Was it like never a doubt in your mind or? You know, I, 
I think it's probably both. It's a little bit of, of, of you know, um, genetic what you're born with, and I think there's also obviously with your with your um, with your upbringing, obviously, like how you're how you're you know how you're how you how you trained, how you how you you know been supported, and you know I I wouldn't say like so one of the things that, that the instructors would always say is you know look to your left and look to your right like that person's not going to be there tomorrow yeah and i think that there's there's two kinds of people there's that worry like oh my god like am i that guy yeah right there's a guy there's a guy next to me on either side of me that's looking at me right yeah. that, that was the whole intent was right and i always looked at like man that uh, you know that sucks for the guy on either side of me yeah like that was my mindset was yeah it never yeah. really entered in my head like oh well i'm that guy that they're talking about like it's like okay and, and it was i mean that's that's how that the whole time i mean you never think about getting hurt to where because that can that can randomly bad luck can happen and you have no control over that right you know, you know like you're saying like you're you're driving downtown and then a building collapsed i mean you know you have no control over you know those outside forces but as far as what you can control which was up to me i mean i was all about like it was never one of those i remember once in hell week where where Every single day in, in, in Hell Week, they check you from head to toe. You have to go in and get – it's called a hygiene inspection because yeah. of the environment you're in and the breeding ground for infection, literally cellulitis, uh, staph infections, and, and literally having the Tijuana River Valley that dumps into the bay, yeah. uh, San, Diego, San Diego Bay. Like the, the, the bay would get closed for, for people. Like they would close the bay like, hey, you know, the, the water's too toxic right now after a storm or something and, and it yeah. dumped into – it was never closed for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, how come we get to everybody else? Like, we're just as susceptible. And there were a couple of guys that got um, flesh eating. And one of the guys actually in my class, and he, and he almost lost his leg. And he went into a coma for a good month and a half. They had they had him induced. And, and he ended up um, coming out. And his he walks with a cane the rest of his life and had to do a bunch of skin grafts because it oh ate, you know, it was basically his quad. Yeah. But so because of that, they would do hygiene inspections, and so every day in Hellwick, you get you have to strip from head to toe, and then the the the, um, the doc would would check you check your body basically to see if there was any of that presence, and get you going on some um, antibiotics in in case of you know you had cellulitis going and stuff, which is very common. I mean, everybody gets varying degrees of that. You know, your your skin starts to break down. I mean, you're super susceptible because your immune system starts to degrade because you haven't been sleeping and you're just you're just run to the end, you know. Yeah. And I remember um, what sucks about hygiene is like, well, you, while it's your turn, it's it's really cool because you're inside and you you get a break and it's warm. But yeah. while you're waiting your turn, it's miserable. So hygiene was always one of those things that were just sucked, and it was right before the sun went down. It's the end of the day. Yeah. Remember, remember um, being in the parking lot. And we were bear crawling. You bear crawl so much in, in Hell Week. Just yeah. You just bear crawl everywhere, and and then do whistle drills where you're where you're like low crawling, um, just endlessly, just just not really going anywhere other than it just sucks. Yeah. In the parking lot of the seal compound, there was uh, the buds school at compound. There's there's a bunch of cars, and we would just bear crawl around and around and around, you know, for the two hours while you're waiting your turn. And then the one nice thing about people quitting is is hygiene inspections got shorter as the week went. Because you had less people to be checked, you know. Yeah, you're like, I don't know, man. That cellulitis looks pretty bad. You should probably go. <laughs> you need to bail, dude. 
So, but what was kind of interesting is it was one of the, I think it was the second hygiene inspection and the nights is coming. So, um, cause you know that, you know, you're getting towards the end of the afternoon, the sun's getting low in the sky and you're like, you know, it, it's just, that's where you get lose a lot of guys because it's like, okay, now I really feel like crap. And then it's just going to get worse because now it's going to get cold and the sun went down and it's just going to yeah. be super miserable. And so bear crawling, we lost like, like 15 people quit in that, that, that hygiene inspection, that one hygiene inspection. Like we, that was the single biggest event I think in hell week that we lost people at. And I remember we'd already been whittled down, you know, um, cause we only came out of hell week with, I think like 20. Wow. And we went into hell week with like 60, I think. So, yeah. and then I remember crawling and I, I was somehow separated from the group and on the far side of the parking lot, cause there's a bunch of cars. I couldn't see anybody. So I didn't know there was anybody. And I literally for a, a period of time, probably five or 10 minutes, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, cause every once in a while you'd see somebody run. And when you see somebody run off by themselves, that means they quit. You yeah. can be like, okay, that guy's gone. Right. They just yeah. run. Yeah. And, and there was nobody around me. I just was like literally on the opposite side of the parking lot from, from the, the main group. And I thought for a while, like I'm, I was the last person, like, I'm like, what happens now? Like, cause I can't lift the boat by myself. Right. Cause you have to have a boat, you know, you need a boat crew Yeah. and all these thoughts are going through my brain. And it wasn't like, well, I guess I've got no choice, but I got to leave too, because it's, you know, I can't make it through by myself, but it was just, just, just this interesting time where I'm like, I thought I was all by myself. You know what I yeah. mean? That was the last one left. And it was just funny. I mean, I wasn't thinking about leaving, but I'm like, this is going to be really interesting. Right. What happens if you get down, the class gets down to one single person. Right. What would happen then? You know what I mean? Like, well, it, no, part, I mean, part of me is like, that'd be kind of neat. I mean, like, uncharted yeah. waters kind of. Right. Oh, yeah. The one, the sole survivor. Right, right, right. There could be only one. You know what I mean? But it was just weird. And obviously, you know, a little while later, I was like, oh, okay, there's other people. You know what I mean? But for a while, I'm like, okay, it's <laughs> just a class of one person. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. So I, I don't, um, it was never in my mind, you know, to, to quit. Um, yeah. not, not wanting to be there was surely there a lot, but yeah. as far as quitting, I mean, it was, it was, again, it was part of that. And a part of that is the mindset too, which I try and tell younger folks to go behind me that I mentor yeah. for me, which made all the difference was I looked at seal school. Like there's only one in the world, legitimate one, like the one that everyone is measured by. There's other, there's other imitations from other forces yeah. you know, around the world, but it's all modeled after the seal, the U S seal, you know, buds, you know, and there's only one, and there's only one class going through on any, at any given time. It's not like there's multiple schools. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, major league baseball has training, you know, spring training it for 30 different teams. You know what I mean? Like there's only one seal school. Right. So my turn, I looked at it like I'm in a movie. Like, this is what I've heard about. Like, this is, this is, this is, this is my, my version of Disneyland. Basically like, this is what I want to experience. And all those things, that, that, all those things that you would hear about, like I'm, or I'm in it. And, and it was like surreal in a cool yeah. way. You know what I mean? Like, and I wasn't gonna, you know, it was like, I want to see the next thing. I want to see the next thing I've heard about this. Okay. Now I've done this. And now I can say I've, you know, checked that box and, and I've experienced steel pier and, and camp surf and all those different iconic, you know, um, experiences in the seal program. And then you get through dive phase, like, okay, now I know how to dive. And I, I did the, um, I've made it through pool comp, which is the, the single hardest dive test yeah. that could ever even that I've ever heard of any kind of scuba 
self-contained, you know, um, and then you, then you go through. Um, so that, that was neat. Like now I want to go to San Clemente Island. I, I, you know, that's the final five weeks of the training, you know, San Clemente Island. And so I think a lot of times the students look at it like they're afraid of it, you know, because they've heard horror stories and it is, it does suck. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to, I want to get in the fray because, because I'd heard about it. I want to, I want to be able to say I'd seen it and experienced it. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't walk away and leave it on the table, I guess. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I think, you know, it just like always fascinates me because obviously there are a lot of people who have the physical capacity to endure like that kind of. Um, tremendous test. I mean, we're talking about this guy who just ran a sub two hour marathon. I mean, people can do amazing things, but like the mental is really what fascinates me and like how we get, how we use, whether it's like negative things that have happened or like how we get that leverage over ourselves or like get into that mental state of like, I'm going to do this or um, pushing past the barrier and like, what, what do we have to do mentally in order to make that happen and separates the people from who are able to do that from the people who aren't. Um, it's, it's I don't know. I mean, I, I, but I will tell you this to me that makes all the difference is visualization. Uh huh. Like, so when I'm on the stairs for an hour and I'm at my peak, which yeah. Really, really, really hard to get to the level of, you know, like, like, and I tell people this, the only way that you can actually get good at managing misery, like physical pain and discomfort is you, you have to, the, 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 the downside is, is you have to, it's like, it's like very perishable. Yeah. And, and so you have to visit it a lot. Like you have to go into that world a lot. You know, there's a, there's a guy that I kind of, admire that he trains for the it's like 79 floors it's that hill or i mean that that stair climb in um seattle uh-huh it's that firefighter challenge they do every year and then there's also this there's also a slick like you can just do it you know slick like without any wearing any gear and and there's this guy that that, that i was kind of researching training for it i didn't end up, i haven't done it and i don't know if i'll ever do it but um for a while i, I kind of trained to do it he talks about like the stages of as he's doing the, the 80 floors and, you know, he's just, you know, describing it by like the 30th floor, you know, he talks about where his pulse is at. And then he talks about like physically describes, you know, the, the, what he's feeling and he's, and he, and he, and he's, he's, he's done it so much. And he's such a, such a master basically at knowing his body systems that by the time he's like, but by, by halfway up, probably by like 40 to 45 fifth floor, like he says, it is like a basketball, like his, his like, cause the oxygen is starting to get depleted, like extremely at a high level into all his tissues, you know, and those most sensitive tissues, your eyes and your brain yeah. are, are going to be the first, first tissues to really start to, to decline. You know, yeah. he talks about how he starts to tunnel, like, cause his, cause his oxygen, you know, is starting to hit his vision and, and, and it's like a, by, it's like a basketball, you know, it's all about timing also. Like he's got to get to the top. Like he can't collapse before he gets to the top. You know what I mean? It's all about walking that line. And then, and then he talks about the pain he's experiencing. He talks about his pulse and his pulse is probably like 180 to, to 185. And then by the time he's at like the 60th floor, it's starting to become like a baseball. Like, like it's really starting to come in. 
like that tunnel vision and he's like okay i'm getting close and then his pulse is starting to, to push 200 and yeah. then by the time he gets to the top like he's, he's like my body is completely awash in pain like it's you know that that o2 deficiency your body tells you all those layers those those filters points that you hardly ever reach like there's redundant ones like okay if you haven't i'm going to throw this this at you to get you to stop like your body right physical pain is one of those and to be able to push through those and keep going like i respect so much because by the time the guy gets to the top, like he can't go any further. He literally like will collapse. He talks about it. And sometimes he kind of passes out almost. And and the pain is just head to toe. Just you know, and his pulse, he said, sometimes I, I'll be at 205, 210. And I'm like, and he, and he, he, he can feel like it's not actually good to, to, to be at that level. Yeah. I'm not saying that that is a good thing um, to that level. But at the same time, I really respect it because to be able to push through those pain barriers, because at that point it's, it's it's pure pain. Your body is 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 is, is pleading with you, yeah. Like, Stop, because this isn't going to end well. Yeah. So those those are some people are wired to, to be intrigued by that. I'm one of those people. Like, yeah. and there's other people that are like I, that. That seems completely stupid. Why would you do that? And it's like you yeah. know what, you're right. Yeah. But don't you think most people are wired to do whatever they can to avoid pain? Sure. Um, whether it's, you know, even even like if we use this as a metaphor, like basically honest people like lying because they don't want to be uncomfortable around difficult conversations or whatever it might be. Um, it seems like such a metaphor for so much in life, whether it's professional success and, and people feeling like unwilling to go into that uncomfortable place on a regular basis until it becomes a comfort zone or at least until it becomes something that they know that they're just going to get done and by doing it it becomes it doesn't hurt less but it or but it's just going to get done and they know it um it just seems like there's some there really are there is a difference between the people who can get to that place and the people who are really almost will do anything to avoid it. Right. Well, there's, and I, I, yeah, I, I, there's a difference between pain and injury. And I, a lot of people, that basic concept of pain and injury, like, is this pain or is this injury? And a lot of people think that um, if I feel anything, then, then that's bad. And it's like, well, actually, that's not necessarily the case. And the, the goal in life isn't necessarily always homeostasis, like perfect balance like you have to actually leave that you know and going through something like the seal program for me was well one of the coolest things i my takeaways of it was it almost seems counterintuitive like people say well you can do anything because you made it through that it's like actually it's completely opposite i know exactly what my limits are now yeah yeah right like i know when i approach this point Okay, yeah. this is this is this is the limit. You know what I'm saying? Like when I stop shivering, yeah. that means my core temp is actually it, you know, going to a place where it's actually really bad, and I I need to pay attention right, really pay attention right now. Right. You no, know, and um, if I feel whatever um, X, Y, or Z, um, and I can't, I can't, you know your mental deficiencies you know what i mean like what happens when you when you when you when you stretch yourself to the point where i mean it happens to doctors they make mistakes mm-hmm. right they go without sleep so long that they make it just a stupid error 
which yeah. would be totally expected. So you're like, okay, I understand that now. You know what I mean? Like, so don't do that. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, so like with the seals and special forces, that's it. You, you need to know what you can and can't do because you know, if you think you can do anything, then that's when, then you, you're going to get in some serious trouble uh-huh. to be able to know, okay, well, if this sea state is too big, okay, we've, we've yeah. operated in this and, and, this is a no go. We, we don't do this. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's difficult to find that, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, a it's, a you gotta, you gotta go deep man down that rabbit hole to figure out, you know what I mean? Right. Where that's at. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of times, it seems like in a way people who haven't experienced some type of adversity or survived some kind of trauma or something that it causes them to experience discomfort are almost at a disadvantage going into a situation like that. Like, I mean, I know you've talked to me about having our dad's name, like in your helmet. Um, and during, during buds and, as a reminder, um, and as a motivating force. And like, I'm such a huge believer in that. Like, I feel like there is a sense of there's just added confidence of, I mean, there's two things, at least for me, um, in using past negative experiences, like, um, there's the sense of like, I know I've been through, shitty things and I know I can get through shitty things like I've I've been there done that it's I'm gonna get through this too um but also a sense of I'm I want to push myself I want to prove to myself that I'm not that that past negative experience or that person or whoever doesn't define me and that I get to decide like what I'm going to achieve or what I'm capable of not somebody else is going to hold me back so um, was, I mean, was that your thinking and putting his name in your helmet? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I as we've talked about, like I've looked at, at our father yeah. as a tragic figure mm-hmm. and it was, it was very easy in the, in the first part of my life to, um, just say how, you know, he was what he was and, and that's the choice he made, which he did. But, um, you don't really, when you have no body of work, you don't understand how, how we're guided by, you know, our upbringing and, 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 and the support that we may or may not get. And, and just, just our stimuli, you know, what, what, what's introduced to us paths, choices, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I, I looked at what, what the choices that he made is, um, I was not, I was not just because I came from him and he was the quintessential quitter. Yeah. For me, it was like, Hey, I, I just to your point, like, I'm not, I'm not like, th- this is, this is not set in stone. Like I, I've got control over this future and, and you know what I mean? Like I, so I, I'm going to seek out a, something that, that is notorious for, for people to quit at doing. Right. And, yeah. And, and show to myself, you know what I mean, that, that, I've, that I've got yeah. control over which direction I go in life. And it doesn't have to necessarily, it's not pre-designated, it's not preset. like I'm not yeah. 
And I think a lot of times people do, they fall into that sort of victim mentality, like, well, you know, these are the cards that are dealt to me, you know, and, and, uh, I think it's important to, for people to understand that, you know, and, and again, back to, back to, you know, kind of angling back to that, that difficult path. Like it's hard, even as a parent, you know, with your kids to understand the balance of, you know, what you're giving them when you, when you, when you force them to kind of have to make the choice yeah. themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, you know, yeah, to answer your question, I didn't realize what kind of gift, you know, that, that, that our father gave yeah. us, gave me in, in the form of like, son, don't do this. Thanks dad. Thanks. Right. Father. You know what I mean? Like I, I won't, I won't, you know, and you've showed me, you showed me how that path plays out. Right. Yeah. I right. mean, it is, it is, it's weird packaging, but it's a gift. It was, you know, like the ultimate lesson. Totally. Um, only needed one. Like I kind of, the way that I've looked at it is like, he played the role he was meant to play right in my life, in your life. Um, and you just had a purpose. Yeah. And, and like, Judas, um, but he actually had a purpose. He had a purpose. He had a purpose. He played that purpose. He wasn't the father we probably wanted, but he was the father we, um, apparently needed in order to get to the people we are today. Right. Um, or to get to the person who pushes through extreme discomfort and physical pain that 95% of everybody else would tap out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what I'm trying to teach my kids, like, is in an age-appropriate way, like, everything bad that you think is bad, like, focus on what what could I find that's good about this? If I really wanted to, what good could I extract from this? Or what, what lesson have I learned? And, um, you know, obviously, like, I, I feel like I got so much internal. Um, I got so much confidence about surviving stuff on my own, um, you know, because I felt like, for me, I felt like I was the parent at 10 years old. You know, I feel like I had to be an adult really early on in life to navigate childhood with a father who was an alcoholic and an addict and not really around very much um, and not giving me other guidance and lessons that not parenting really. Um, So I, um, you know, to me, I feel like that I got so much um, and I, I got it took me longer to get the perspective that you had so young. Like it took me, it took me longer to get to a place where I was like, man, this is, this is a gift. All those bad experiences were such a gift. And now, now I can, I I can put those into use in a huge way. Um, or to pause and have some appreciation over how I've been able to have, I benefited from going through that experience, even though it was so shitty and so terrible and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I certainly wouldn't have the strength and independence and grit and determination and, um, and ability to, I mean, not on the same level that you did, but the willingness to be just uncomfortable, 
um, the lack of concern for like other people's opinions. Um, for me, I feel like being the kid whose parent was an addict, um, I, I just, there's not really anything else that I could go through that's going to make me really bothered or worried about other people's perceptions of me. So that has kind of opened up the ability for me to just be who I am um, without giving a shit about what other people are going to think. So, yeah, I mean, there's endless. And obviously, we you're my brother. Like, if it weren't for him, we, we wouldn't be here. So, right. um, though, what, you know, I, I just, the more I think about it, the more good I can find, though it's, and the more sad I am for him. Yeah. He missed out on the ability to have, like, a really cool relationship with his kids who have been, like, super high achievers. Right. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you say that I, I, I learned that at an early age, but I was still super resentful. Yeah. Right. Like, like w when I had his name in my, my, my buds, you know, helmet, I, I resented the guy. I mean, yeah. totally. And in fact, he, I think I, I told you this, like in the early two thousands, when, when we reconnected, he reached out to me. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't really stay it's not that I resented him at that point or had any, any ill, you know, but it, the ship had sailed. Yeah, and sure. The ship had sailed. And, and, um, but, but at the same time, I'm super, super, you know, um, grateful to him now, wherever he may be, yeah. you know, what he gave and, and he gave us what he thought he could. And, um, you know, I, it's funny you said you wouldn't wish it on anybody, but at the same time, but at, I would wish I would wish the end result for everybody. Sure. Right. And 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 for us, and you know, we had to go through that shit to to get to to, to the promised land, so to speak. And really, what I've learned in life, and to appreciate, like, can you have well, profound appreciation without experiencing profound adversity? I just don't know that you can. See, and you you literally like we were on the exact same thought because I I totally you know. Was it was going to tell you the same same thing just now that I don't I really don't think well everything that I ever look back on as as something that I'm really uh, I don't know about proud of because it's hard for me to be proud because uh, I don't feel like achievements I have a weird view on it on achievement but um, things that I'm actually glad that I went through uh -huh. um, all of those involve some kind of wear and tear on my ass you know what I'm saying. Um, that were not pleasant, you know, even the most recent going through the police academy, it wasn't physically difficult, but you know, in your mid forties, when you, when you have to put in, you know, solid time getting up every morning and, and the study that's involved with it, with all the laws. And I mean, just a lot of that, that I'm didn't want to ever go through that, but I knew that I had to, for my job to be a fire investigator yeah. and back, I was like, you know what? I'm glad I went to sitting for four years in a social security office, climbing the walls. Yeah, I look back on and I'm so grateful. I would not change that in the world, you know, for the world because, I mean, it 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 opened up so many different things in me. Like like, I believe in life that the the, the f fulfilling life is one that that's in, like very enriched with with all sorts of different experiences, good, bad, and 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 otherwise. And the bad is so in the bad is so critical to that because I mean, 
what do they what do they say about hell? Like the weather is shitty, but the but the company is awesome. I mean the the good stuff, the good lessons, the good like um, direction signals or whatever don't always feel super awesome when they're happening. No, I I, I totally agree with that. I, I I actually lost my job in the downturn of the economy, as you know. You know, I got laid off from the fire department for a year and a half. Yeah. And I didn't even know if I'd ever go back. Yeah. And it's interesting because now that I'm not, no, I'm no longer a firefighter. You know, I do fire investigation, which is so much better career-wise for me. Yeah. Like financially, and then just actually, um, you know, I'm always, I, I, I'm always home every single night. Like I'm not, I'm not at the firehouse. You know, and I realized that I had to get laid off. I would not have this job now if I had not been laid off because. Yeah. You know, without going too far into it, it positioned me to take a position that nobody would ever take out of out of a necessity. Because I almost lost my job when I got called back a second time. Okay. So, so if I if I went into to become a fire investigator or a fire inspector, which became a fire investigator, um, which at the time nobody had ever done before. Not they didn't they didn't go from the fire engine. Nobody left that to go. Yeah. In, to, to, to go into inspecting buildings for fire hazards yeah. that was considered a step down. And, and I took that job on a leap of faith and it turned out to be so much better than my life was and better than financially and quality of life physically. Yeah. Then, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's just, you know, it further reinforces that to your point, like we're just along for the ride, man. Yeah. And, and just 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 enjoy it along the way. Keep keep a balance between not being so obsessed with the goal. Yeah. Right. That you wish your life away. Right. But so in the moment that you don't have any goals either, you know what I mean? That you're that you're that you're finding a balance. And that's really tough for me. Like I'm so the military has, has, has made me so so driven, you know, the singular purpose, you know, the purpose driven life. And to the point where where I have to sometimes I, I wear myself out I'm like, OK, Enjoy the moment right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Enjoy the ride. Um, don't get too caught up in, in, in just, okay, I got to get to this point, this point, this point. Then I can finally live. Yeah, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So we definitely yeah. need to find that balance. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, pushing yourself, pushing yourself um, and never stopping um, is super important, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, to me, I sort of recognize like, you know, when whatever's happening in my life, like it ultimately is my, within my control and my choice, like what my, what perception of of the events is that I get to attribute to it, you know? So like for you, you used that opportunity getting laid off from the fire department to transition into something else and keep it moving rather than being like, man, this fucking sucks. And, you know, this is unfair. And how dare they and blah, 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 like these like defeating, totally defeating victim mentality that I think a lot of people sort of, you know, uh, fall into, um, without willing to take responsibility for the fact that we really do get to choose what our perception of an event is going to be. If it's going to be an, like, like you and I choose to see adversity as an opportunity um, and, uh, and continue that path. Like it's not about getting to one particular goal. Um, 
it's just recognizing that it's always like, it's, it's just a never ending path of like self-improvement and growth. And from one goal to the next, it's really, to me, it's been less about the goal, but less more about like who I'm becoming, who, who is the person who is required to get to that goal? Um, you know, and the goal is just like, almost like sometimes even like an arbitrary, um, piece of, of like leverage for me to, to push myself. Um, but. Well, and I think along with that is, is that, that idea that, you know, which I, I told you before that you're only as good as your last game. Yeah. Yeah. And the day that you stop recognizing that, I believe this is just yeah. my belief, but the day that you stop understanding that you're as good as your only as good as your last game then you stop seeking and you stop, you stop pushing yourself. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it's the people in life that maybe achieve something and and then, and then they ride that, you know, off into the sunset, but it's just like, you know what I mean? Like there's always, you always have to test yourself. You always have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because you'll just stagnate. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I don't know. I, 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 you know, try to teach that to my daughters, you know, that yeah. you think you're going to, you, you think this is going to be the summit and like, it's just starting. Starting. It's just an ongoing path, an ongoing journey. Like I, I think, um, I, you know, there's this, um, post marathon blues is like a thing that a lot of distance runners experience after, after running a race. And I know I have experienced that in, um, when I've run marathons, you know, whether it's San Diego or Boston or whatever, whichever marathon it might be, you go through this huge heavy lift, at least, you know, for me, that's a bit, you know, it's a lot of training and, um, it occupies a lot of your time. It, you know, you, your schedule gets dictated by your training program And then you achieve this huge milestone um, that, you know, not a lot of people do. And then when it's over, it's kind of, you know, you kind of get left with a sense of like, well, now what? Unless you have another race planned or something else, another goal that you then are like, okay, well, I'm done with that. And now the next thing is this, whether it's a race or whether it's a professional um, goal or whatever it might be like the lesson to me from experiencing that post marathon blues has been a great metaphor for other goals that I'm working towards in my professional life and my personal life is like you constantly have to keep raising the bar on yourself and constantly like the the path of working towards something of setting new goals of continuing to push to make more progress. Like that's where we get fulfilled. Right. Stop. And like, you know, to your point about, um, you know, uh, only being as good as your last game. Like, I think you're also only as happy as, um, your, you know, your, where you are in a constant path towards, towards achieving something new, because if you just get stuck there, that those moments of happiness of achieving one thing are like fleeting. Um, it's not going to stick with you for the rest of your life. So you've got to keep upping the ante. Right. Um, so 
that's sad. I totally yeah. agree with that. I mean, literally, it's it's nice to hear. I like to hear you saying that because <clears throat> to me, it's somebody else that gets that. Yeah. It's yeah. I've, I've I've long told you know told young folks and my 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 kids like life is is a, is about measure and if you have no measure then you're just you're simply existing and whether it be you know I'm I, I my job now is really simple it's as easy as work as I've ever done and it's by far the most I've ever ever, ever been paid like I've got a really good life yeah so I have to almost manufacture those things that you're talking about, which are, are, are like the challenges, like, okay, I don't feel challenged right now. So let me actually manufacture some challenges because life must be interesting. Right. Uh-huh. Or, or why even bother? Right. So yeah. if the challenge is to get up at 4am to go to the gym, that's a big, big challenge. Like that, like, you know, that, that, that's a manufactured challenge. One of the, 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 the um, challenges that I manufacture. And then, uh, you know, to your point, it's about, um, you know, I, I, I keep track of my performance when I'm like on the stairs, you know, in the morning, do my cardio and I have to have a tangible goal. So it's, it's to keep improving, keep improving and keep improving. You know what I mean? And that's why I see people around me. It seems like they're not very successful in the gym because they're there just kind of hanging out and it's like, well, what are you even here for? Like, do you even understand what your, like what your goal is? Because, you know, if you're not working against something like what I don't understand, like to me, that's impossible. Like you can't, you can't improve when you're not, when you have no idea what you're even trying to improve. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like getting in a car, trying to get somewhere that you've never been and not using a map or GPS and hoping you just happen upon a great spot. It doesn't work. It doesn't really work. It doesn't work. No. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's super important to have that. I mean, I, I, you know, I track our finances because I've got financial goals I want to make and I don't even necessarily know what I'm going to do when I retire. Um, Well, I know what I want to do, but as far as like financially, you know, I'll, I will have more money than I know what to do with it. So then I'll have to remanufacture another goal. Maybe, maybe yeah. just to put money towards my kids or my grandkids in, in some fashion. I don't Who knows? But yeah. having, having tangible areas that you want to get to, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. You know, milestones, um, you that's- know, and keep moving forward. Right. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think yeah, not constant, never ending improvement, and really understanding and having perspective on you know, the negative stuff and the value in it. Right. Um, so huge. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been great chatting. Again. <laughs> Again. Learning about each other. Yes, I know. I love it. Like, I always feel like I learned something new and like, even after 40 years, like always like enjoy getting, um, I don't know, like, like great to be able to have, you know, to, to connect more regularly and, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on a different note, I was going to ask you a few Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. 
Can't wait to return with the next episode. Please, please, please share the podcast. You never know who needs to hear some of these kernels of wisdom from our amazing guests. And feel free to tweet me at Nola Vegan Diva or continue the conversation using the hashtag live uncaged. Much gratitude and appreciation to everybody. Have a great day. About that, because, you know, I'm doing sober October, so, like, I haven't drank in, I haven't drank since, um, the, like, probably last week of September, I guess, and I just, I feel so amazing, and, like, being able to, like, go out and do things and feel, get up in the morning and feel, like, awesome, and right. um, it, it feels so great, I can't really imagine what it must be like to um, be on the road, be performing, putting your body through that, but like also wrecking it with like really, really heavy alcohol abuse. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how tool has been on that, but I know like, obviously like with Metallica, that's been something that has been heavily covered and their issues with like, you know, their lead singers um, struggle with that and stuff has been, yeah, a lot of those older bands at last, I think, are kind of like LeBron and Tom Brady. Like, they understand it's a long game, and if you're going to stay around and 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 survive it, yeah, then you have to actually. And I don't think, I don't know if Maynard actually doesn't drink, but I know he's got a winery in in, in yeah. Arizona, and he studies okay. that, that craft. Like, he's a vintner, so yeah. that's that's actually. His his tour schedule is around the harvest. Like he, he schedules, he schedules it around. So the dude's way into it, and I don't think he's a drunk by any means. Um, I don't think you could be, you know what I mean, surrounded by uh, that kind of world, and sure. you know, be able to survive like he has, and, and and be articulate and be be on point. Yeah, you just can't, you can't. Nobody, nobody can 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 sustain that. You know? Right. Oh yeah. No, that's not sustainable. Which is kind of cool. I mean, honestly, like. Not to not to get too like beat Nikki, but to me there is a certain Zen like quality of 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 being engaged, you know, in in, in life. And yeah. to me, like my sobriety, my my um, I can't fathom going back to it. It's funny because um, Danae and I were watching uh, the uh, the kids were on a sleepover last night, and we're we were just kind of we had nothing but time on our hands, and like hey, let's watch a movie and. and I actually watched The Hangover, and it was funny because we hadn't seen it in a long time. And it was just funny, you know, lighthearted. But I, 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 I had so much alcohol in my past and so many experiences with it, it, it you know, to see like that, that, um, that shit show of like that day after kind of. Yeah. I, I, it's so tangible to me, and I, I've, I'm so far away from that now. Yeah. Of, of ever wanting to feel that ever again, like there's no way. Um, I, my body is completely, I mean, the last time I drank was, was, um, I don't know if I told you this, but I drank, I drank myself to a point where I literally, you know, when you wake up those times when you say, I'm never going to do this ever again until you actually, you know, piece yourself back together. Right. I actually hit a point where I, I, I literally think that I, that I was like, I, I had drank myself to the point where I never wanted another you know, drink again. And it didn't, it didn't dissipate like that feeling yeah. endured. And I, you know, I appreciate that, that, that awareness now, like that being engaged in life 
addicted you will be to right. feeling awesome. Totally. And you really do get aware, like, do I want to do I want to trade that and to, to to go back to that? You know, the, the front that front end of feeling good. Yeah. That, like I was saying, it has shrunken so far down. And then the, the negative back end of, of alcohol to me was to the point of, well, I mean, what, what, what's, what's the saying? Like people don't change until the, the pain of, of staying the same outweighs that pain of the change. And right. for alcohol, to me, the pain of staying with alcohol had exceeded what it was to not have alcohol anymore. And I'm like, it's time. Yeah. It's time. It's time. And th- this, is, this, is, this is too much of a negative return now. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to pay that 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 toll anymore. And yeah. um, the longer you, you know, you, you may you might might find that to be true also for you that you're like you know what? Oh, it's I, easier. Right. It's totally easy. Like it definitely. I'm like, um, I don't. Um, I mean, there are like nothing against. You know, I have nothing inherently like you know against. Um, against drinking at all and I I mean my whole summer I've enjoyed like making craft cocktails with fresh juices and all this stuff and you know muddled different kinds of yummy herbs and that kind of thing and so I love the artistic process actually of it but um but I I don't ever I kind of don't ever want to get to a place where I have to rely on the negative leverage of I, it's not sustainable, and I just with our family history, I know like I've been successful at at um, channeling whatever addictive tendencies towards something um, really constructive with fitness and nutrition and all of that. But I'm really, really, really aware of what a quick and slippery slope it can be down to down down a bad yeah with it and i just don't want to get there so yeah, 